Hi, everybody. I'm not a tail at all, just bits of gas that the sun lights up. And this is Mark's Movies. Yeah, it's a rebrand. I don't know. I haven't done them. Anyway, we're jumping into romantic comedies with 1994's IQ, directed by Australian filmmaker Fred Shapisi? Shapisi? Sure, I'll go with that. Shapisi. Which also stars Meg Ryan, Tim Robbins, and Walter Matthau. If you'd think that I'd very much enjoy a movie about some academic elites framed in this kind of mid-century Princeton, like manipulating people to be together, you'd be right. I love this setting, I love these characters, and I have some reservations on the manipulation and things, but there is still good to be found in there. Let's get to the original origins of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl with IQ. On Maui, they have these natural slides into what they call the seven sacred pools. And the water is so aerated that it feels like an enormous tongue just licking your entire body. Slides and great licking tongues? Have you gone mad? It's because it's spring. Everything goes through upheaval in the spring, wouldn't you say? Sounds like business. They were from two completely different worlds. That's your problem right there. You got no spark. What? You have no spark. It was electric. Wow, that was fast. What about the car? Your, your stroke is too short and you're getting premature ignition. Does it ever feel that way? Well, I'm sure I don't know what you mean. Only an Einstein could bring two such opposites together. He's a troglodyte. Fortunately, yes, he was available. You're Albert Einstein. Thank you. Jiving. What makes you think that she would be better off with you? On a lift? On that? No. 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 Becoming briefly something you are not is the only way for Catherine to see you for what you really are. What do I do if she asks me a question? Then you say, interesting concept. How do you expect to get away with this? X equals W cubed over pi. This has got to be the dumbest thing anybody ever did to impress a dame. Paramount Pictures presents... He's a mechanic. Isaac Newton was an insurance salesman. Meg Ryan. You took Albert Einstein for a ride on a motorcycle? Tim Robbins. He loved it. He went, Wahoo! Wahoo? When was the last time you went, Wahoo? And Walter Matthau. This is Professor Einstein, the smartest person in the world. Are they hanging? It doesn't take a real genius to fall in love. Oh! oh. But it helps. I'm steering the boat. IQ. By the numbers, IQ was released December 25th, 1994, which is a bold move, Cotton. The strategy didn't seem to pay off as the movie only made $26 million on a $25 million budget. It didn't help that Legends of the Fall was released two days prior and Little Women two days before that taking up what i'm sure was m most of the adult viewing other movies like richie rich street fighter and a live action adaptation of the jungle book were released around the time keeping parents steady monitoring their kids at the theater 
It sits on a comfortable one hour and 40 minutes runtime and garnered a 6.2 on IMDb, a 43% on the tomato meter, and a 66 on what I wrote as meteor critic, but it's metacritic. If you hear noises in the background, yeah, that's uh, that's life with kids. What are you going to do? The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is a 47%, which gives me some indication of the lack of welcoming for a movie about academic types. I guess romantic comedies should only be about well-to-do model types who are dumb as fuck, perhaps. Uh, people who shouldn't or wouldn't appreciate a joke about looking like a French impressionist. Fred Schapizzi takes this movie on and, I think, makes it work. There's a bit of fan service to be played with the characters and, you know, that's good. It's okay. But the movie moves. There isn't really a boring third act because it's not like the characters are fully together until right in the fifth act. And I'm just throwing act fucking numbers out there. I haven't really worked out how many acts, but I'm thinking five-ish. The editing by Jill Bilcock feels good to me. I'm sure certain things were left on the cutting room floor in search of expediency of momentum, but this isn't this isn't the type of movie that will hold up to intense scrutiny. The cinematography by Ian Baker, who also worked with uh, Shapizi on Roxanne, is appropriate for this look and time period. However, there are several shots on this DVD transfer that are soft or hey, maybe out of focus. I don't recall the original, and I, I don't believe there is a Blu-ray. So it seems that this movie is living in a place of fondness that exists mainly in my heart and my heart alone. Story credit and co-screen writing credit go to Andy Breckman, who is a traveled writer. He was a Letterman writer that went to SNL before breaking into movies. IQ is the first movie that I recognize on his filmography. However, he does go on to write Rat Race and create the TV series Monk, which stars Tony Shalhoub, who is one of the that guys of this movie. I like Monk, by the way, and uh, Tony Shalhoub slaps. He is, however, just one of the that guys in a movie basically stocked with that guy. I say guys as a general term, which could be considered sexist. However, in this movie, it, it feels like it has exactly one female character in it, and it is the character of Meg Ryan. I think there's something to be learned from this, uh, I, but I haven't cracked that code just yet. But among the that guys, we have a wonderful Stephen Fry as James Moreland, who is a negative reflection of Tim Robbins's Ed Walters and is also the man to whom... Catherine Boyd is engaged to in the movie. Tony Shalhoub, as mentioned, is Ed's boss, Bob, who works at the gas station along with Frank Whaley as Frank. There's even more that guys. Greg German has an uncredited speaking role as reporter Bill O'Reilly. Lou Jacoby, Gene Sachs, and Joseph Marr are the chorus of German academics that ostensibly fled Nazi Germany for various reasons. And landed in Princeton. There's a whole operation paperclip, like this, uh, uh, von Neumann, uh, things, okay, things. Not going to talk about that. We're going to stick to the movie this time. But there are even more that guys in the movie, and I think these are the, 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 the level that I'm going to stick to. Walter Matthau 
had been a star for ages by this point and had just come off of Grumpy Old Men and Dennis the Menace. So his stock was high for me when this movie came out. It was very high. And this is something that I left out, certainly. But um, Walter Matthau's performance is award-worthy as Albert Einstein. He is fantastic. He is wonderful. I, I, I realize this is way late in the game, but I just have to throw this on there. It'll be in the copious show notes, I'm sure. But he was amazing, and he made the movie work. Robbins and Ryan were definitely great at doing their thing. But the spectacle of a really good, real feeling Albert Einstein was fun. And and my dad looks like Albert Einstein a little bit, so consequently Walter Matthau looks so much like Albert Einstein. He looks like my dad. So it's just it's a whole thing. But yeah, I like this movie. Okay. Bad edit done. See ya. Tim Robbins was on the last episode of the pod, Bull Durham, and was in a ton of things between then and now. But one of my favorites uh, there in the interim was the Shawshank Redemption. Meg Ryan was on an actual fucking tear across America with the roles that she'd taken since Top Gun, which was the first episode of the pod, I believe, uh, which I just saw Maverick, and I would say Maverick is slightly overhyped. But the flying scenes are are fucking rad. Like, the flying scenes are good. So, whatever you want to do, you do. Um, but she was coming off of When a Man Loves a Woman and Sleepless in Seattle, which are huge movies. And she was also the voice of Dr. Blight on Captain Planet. You know, who knew? But this cast is pretty stacked, I would say. The movie does a lot to work in environmental and non-acting storytelling based on things in the sets and the costumes. Ed Walters wears his watch with a dial on the inside of his wrist, which was for a long time a thing that race car drivers would do so they could see the watch as they had their hands on the wheel. This also allows for someone to see the time as they're working with their hands, which Ed Walters did as an auto mechanic. The set for Einstein's house is, is deep in, in the visual sense, and filled with book-laden built-in shelves, which imply this class, this elegance, this sophistication, the way that movie sets are dressed. They don't have awkward, awkwardly-sized books or anything. They're always beautiful. Catherine's makeup, when in public, is meticulous and thorough, but when in private or when having a more emotional moment is more naturalistic, Jerry Goldsmith's music comes in to underscore the important themes of this not-at-all-serious movie very well. And, and I'll repeat that this movie is not serious. Anyone here with a hard-on for real-life fucking Einstein movie like some fucking physics, bro? Yo, I like physics, bro. Well, they're going to leave disappointed and flaccid. The movie had a few alternate titles, but they basically boiled down to something similar from the languages I could read. In Latin America, the movie was distributed as Formula para Amor, or Formula for Love. You know, uh, that's my, my Spanish newscaster voice, or my Latin American newscaster voice, I should say. Uh, Ahora, en primer impacto, right? I don't know if I get a cease and desist for using that, uh, that show's name. I might. We'll see. 
Um, but I'll remove that. Just email me uh, or or message me on Twitter, Mark D. Uh, wait, no, what's my Twitter? Cool Mark D. Cool with a C and Mark with a K. So Formula para Amor was the Latin American title. In Spain, it was El Genio del Amor, right? Which is El Genio, the genius of love. I'd like to think that the working title was probably Gaslighting, though, because they gaslit the ever-loving shit out of this woman for a whole movie, and it just so happened that she needed to be gaslit because she was sold into the cult of academia in, in the worst way. Yes, this is my WAP, or my woke-ass politics on display, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and, my, and my politics are hardly fucking woke. I'm just pointing out some obvious shit here. If you haven't seen the movie Gaslight, it's a whole thing where uh, a bad dude keeps casting doubt on his wife so that she thinks that she's going insane, and he can subsequently steal from her. And it is part of a pattern of abuse in a lot of ways, uh, which we don't we don't get there in this movie. I'm just, you know, pointing out that like a lot of, uh, we were like, Oh, goofy, happy go lucky rom-coms are actually mm, kind of fucked up when you peel away the wrapper, so to speak. You just got to bust a move. No one steals from Catherine Boyd in the material sense in this movie, but they do remove some of her agency by various deceptions and performances. And that doesn't feel great in 2022, where maybe we've moved past women being silly little idiots that don't know what they want until some big dick dude shows up to tell them. And this movie isn't that either. It sits kind of somewhere in the middle there, in that gray area. Catherine is in a relationship with Dr. James Moreland, known among her family and acquaintances as the lesser professor and chimp pimp. <laughs> I love that who the movie really sets up is awful for her. He has a trigger for her. That is the word babbling. Well, you know, at the atomic level, there's no such thing as color. Though they did do that study in Belgium that time. Wait, or was it Denmark? Babbling. Anyway, babbling. Anyway, the point was that... Was Which that? in his point of view means shut the fuck up. But in her point of view is signifying that she's stupid and that she should shut the fuck up. And she's internalized this in the movie. They don't explore it in depth, but there are a few opportunities where she sees it and where it's pointed out to her by Ed Walters. Not that specifically, but that in general, that kind of um, uh, male, I guess, uh, discouragement. So we're, we're, we're So anyway, we're coming down on the side of her being in this awful one-sided relationship uh, where decisions are made without her, where she's told after the fact and has to be okay with things. And, and it's really not good versus, right, being with Ed Walters, who seems smart, kind, level-headed, and open to the idea of a two-person relationship, in part because he doesn't have that ego that maybe wants to domineer her or wear her as a trophy or whatever the case is. And yeah, they they manipulate her to get her to that second place. It takes a bit of effort because she's also sold into the idea of academia. There's, um, there is a Reddit post recently, and yes, I am a man of the people. I do check the front page. And there was a post along the lines of what feels like a cult but isn't. And academia in the most traditional sense was a common response by users. 
it is an insular culture that has its own set of rules and behaviors, its own definition of success and failure. And in that space, hitching one's wagon to Dr. James Moreland would imply future success in that field, even as an academic wife, right? You would have some uh, be afforded some measure of status with being married to a full professor and things like that. Not that it's better. It's not better. But this was, was what was going to happen, according to James. So bad things get done for good reasons, I guess. And it isn't an arranged marriage, but more like, a, hey, there are other things out there. And we don't even know how she met Moreland, but she is like a doctoral student or whatever. And anytime I see professors dating students, I felt kind of weird about it. But yeah, that's mostly this episode's WAP. A woman was manipulated, but it was presented to be in a genuinely, she was presented to be, I should say, in a genuinely bad situation that could have had worse repercussions for her down the road as she would have potentially abandoned any career that she, as proven in the film, was very capable of doing. And Ed Walters' support of her was, was nice and refreshing. That's not the normal in movies like this. The normal would probably have been, oh, it's okay if you suck, I still love you versus you aren't terrible like their words make you feel. You are a badass and you can do this, which was offered by Ed knowing full well that it would expose his lie. But her self-image was more important than his lie, and that's, that's actually really great. But the lie was bad. But uh, I, I mean, I haven't dated for a long time, uh, and I basically gave up on having any pretense, right? I wasn't the type to like make myself seem anything because... I'm not good at it, and I'm I'm still not, or I wasn't good at it, I guess, and I'm still not. I was just fortunate enough to meet the right person who, in many ways, is both a Catherine and an Ed, and in many ways, I, too, am both a Catherine and an Ed. There is no, uh, there is no Dharma, and there is no Greg in this household. There is Dharma and Greg and Dharma and Greg. <laughs> The reason that I'm getting to this is because I posit that Catherine is the original manic pixie dream girl. I say this doing zero research other than that I've seen this movie and I also saw part of Crazy Beautiful when it came out, which it came out after this movie. But Catherine has it, right? Short haircut, extremely bubbly and extroverted interactions, odd off the wall, oddball, right? The difference here is that Catherine's flaws aren't that she has a mental illness, even though one might argue about approaching the limits of some conditions which have been correlated to STEM fields. But she seems very high-functioning at any rate. Her flaw is that she doesn't have experience and lacks the confidence in herself to go out there and have them. Or at least to dump James and have them, right? And I get that, that being in a relationship is comfortable too, and she's young. But that's the worst to say about someone who is otherwise wonderful and, and kind and smart and loving. There are no female characters in the movie to really check her. And that's the only way this movie works, honestly, because James was not great and fucking everyone knew it. You know what? Actually, I'm going to walk that back. Her flaw isn't that she's inexperienced. Her flaw, according to the movie, is that she has emotions and wants. James is looking for some, like, Stepford Wives shit. And she is not that. She is young and ready to meet life head-on, personally and professionally, and that's rad. If you haven't seen the movie, and it's likely that you haven't based on the box office and its lack of Blu-ray or streaming presence, Catherine is a really great mathematician who is niece to Albert Einstein. 
This is Princeton, New Jersey in the mid-50s or so. She has a a love-at-first-sight moment with a gas station mechanic, Ed Walters, who then strikes up a friendship with Einstein and his academic friends because he's actually just a good person. I do believe in love at first sight. It happened to me. It was unilateral. I saw but was not seen. But it was a difficult environment. Fortune really played out for me in a big way. This movie basically gets it right from Ed's perspective. I definitely felt like the Ed to the Catherine in that interaction in real life, and I've managed to overcome some stigmas of being an Ed. Not all of them, but some of them at least. I get his motivation. I I get the lie. They say, fake it until you make it, with a straight face nowadays. He was 100% doing that, and it was maybe a bit too much, but this is also a mid-century period piece in an era where people still talked about wearing down their spouses and essentially uh, stalking and harassing them into acceptance. So there's, there's a lot to unpack there. But at the basis of levels, I get it. It happens to Catherine too, but the movie doesn't see Ed from her POV as well, or, or, or maybe I just don't. Maybe I'm indelibly wrapped in the frame of my male gaze and, and can never be free from it. But I'm just not anywhere near attracted to Tim Robbins in this movie as I am to Meg Ryan. She has that that she does have that one little line in the first interaction that is almost a throwaway, but it's just like good comedy because it's delivered just so straight. Well, in that case, I better call a phone. Do you mind if I use your cab? There's a cab in the office. And I don't know that her reaction is so undersold again as as so much as I don't see it. But again, I'm I'm terminally male so i do like that perspective but anyway it's it's basically a reverse my fair lady in many ways there is a a theme or a thesis that really rounds out the movie decently well it comes from an answer that is about an article that ed walters read in a sci-fi magazine or science magazine regarding a question posed to him by the german academ- academia brain trust that is einstein and his cohorts oh young man Do you think time exists? (laughs) Time? I was just reading about it in in Future Science magazine. Tell us. There are these twins, Mm -hmm. and and one takes a journey in a spacecraft at the speed of light, and the other one stays on Earth. Well, the twin that traveled into space comes back years later, and he's young. And the one who stayed on Earth by this time is very old. So, so which one do you think is happier? It's a young one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the one that stayed behind. Why? Because he's had a full life and he's had experiences and love and pain and he has a family and friends. And the one who left, well, time has just passed. Yeah. This is good, no? Yeah. So we know right off the bat that being human and living a life is the most important thing to this movie. And I said right off the bat, but that's pretty early on, right, in the, uh, in the movie. And that's all right. Honestly, not, not the worst take in the world, and, and I'm okay with that. You know, they don't get married in the movie. It's not a happily ever after, but it's, it's the beginning of something special. 
How it ends? We don't know. I'd love to find out. How does Andy Breckman think they ended up? I'd be curious to know. I think he'd have a, a sense of humor about it. This movie has a sense of humor, certainly. There are many jokes in this movie. They aren't wait-for-the-laugh-type jokes. They aren't slapstick, but they're there. Isaac Newton being an insurance salesman cracked me up. Uh, the French Impressionist gag kills me every time. But it does things even more subtly than the jokes. Like when Catherine does the Zeno's Paradox thing where she explains a highbrow concept in order to get physically closer to and then touch the person she's explaining it to is a full-on dude trope in romantic comedies. I mean, is this a reverse she's all that at this point? Because I dig it, you know? But there are other things going on. James is a, a psychologist, but is so beyond understanding normal human beings that it's hilarious. He also really goes wild with, the, uh, with crossing the line of ethics in the research that he undertakes. This is before the Milgram experiment or the Stanford prison experiment, so it's quite possible that ethics in this arena were, were, were super fast and crazy loose at the time. But that doesn't make him or them better. He, he's just a bad person. He also loves going after Ed, and Ed is our hero, so fuck James. Fuck James and his stupid fucking face. I love Stephen Fry, though. Uh, my kids watch Pocoyo, and he narrates the English language audio. James is such a fucking hater, though. He legit does the IQ test, and it comes back as like a 186, and he's still hating on, on Ed Walters and hating on his own tests. He, he doesn't f get fully unleashed, though, until Catherine breaks up with him, but he's always been the same guy. He was just hanging out, just waiting for the right moment. And it's easy to make Ed an angel in this comparison because he, he practically is. He's a dreamer. He's smart, but he's not educated. He's emotionally smart. He's kind. But is this that the universe is essentially an irrational place? like the, the opening Einstein voiceover kind of posits, or is it just the fundamental order, right, that the screenwriters have imposed upon all things? This is a question about movies so much as it is a question about God, and there are definitely many interesting interpretations of that. There, as individual, the interpretations are, they're as individual as the people answering the questions. The God of this movie, the director ultimately, although I would very much argue for an idea of a, a pantheon on a movie set of producers, uh, director, heads of departments, and things like that. But the god of this movie imposed an order on this, and it was cute. It was a cute order. It was clever at points and flimsy at others. It wasn't perfect, but it existed. It was made, crafted. Catherine meets Ed because of car trouble at the beginning, and she finds Ed again because of car trouble at the end. Twinkle, twinkle, little star plays at the beginning of, mo of the movie and then at the end of the movie. It's a whole vibe. Do I love this movie? Yes, unequivocally. Is it the best rom-com? Probably not, even in, in the top few. But it's something that, that speaks to me on a personal level. It has spoken to me for many years. It's one of my top three favorite rom-coms. I mean, there are there are likely more rom-coms that I like. I, I don't literally keep a list. And there's also the dick flicks and things like that, which are 
alt rom coms that I'm kind of not counting, or, or I would I wouldn't put it that way. But you know, there's certain alt rom coms that I'm not counting, and others that I will, as you'll find out. But this one's in my top three. I like it a lot. It doesn't have like big needle drops or anything, but uh, you know, we'll 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 see what the next movie brings, and um, everything's connected. Everything's all connected. It seems like it'll be a, a Tim Robbins trilogy, starting with Bull Durham and ending with, with this next movie. Until then, this has been IQ. I've been Mark. Take it easy. Be careful. Stay safe. Kids are in school. Drive slow in the school zones. Uh, try to help them out. Kids need a lot of help. And, um, you know, if you're their parent or guardian, they're going to look to you for that. And it's tough. Oh, boy, do I know it's tough. But for them, it's everything. So be nice. Take care of each other. I just wanted to see you. What food I want? Do you want Five Guys? Do you want Five Guys? Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you want on your burger?